Hey, Taco Tuesday fans, this is Christian Brindle. And I am Glenn Shelton. We came together and it combined our forces to create something special for insurance agents called Taco Tuesday. Let's taco about insurance. My company, Christian Brindle Insurance Services, and my company, Lead Heroes, is here to bring you the latest and greatest news happening in the insurance industry today and eat some tacos while we do it. If you enjoy the content that we put out on this podcast, feel free to leave us a review or subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Without further ado, let's get into this episode of Taco Tuesday. Beautiful. It work. They work. They work. We're live. Taco uh, Tuesday. Taco Tuesday troops. The t- the titties. The TTs. The titties. Ooh, Today, wow. Today's episode is sponsored by Red Bull. It <laughs> you wings. Also sponsored by Sir Richard Branson. We're going to space it's, this it's, week. It's gonna it's gonna stop your heart though. Mm. At least that's what I've been told. Guys, could not be more excited about today's episode, talking to you guys. There's a few things. First thing I'm going to jump into here, I'm going to start at the beginning of this story because it is so riveting. (laughs) My daughter had allergies while eating Taco Bell. I have some homemade tacos today. Oh, no. Allergies eating our sponsor? She had allergies eating our sponsor. And so long story (laughs) short, I thought it was a soy allergy. Turns out it's a corn allergy because they put corn flour in the bean burritos. But while I was on Taco Bell's website validating the ingredients in their in their food, <laughs> I noticed they had alcoholic beverages on their website. And I said, wait a second. I can't just go get a margarita at Taco Bell. What is this? Well, it turns out you can go to a Taco Bell cantina, which... I don't know if it's just in Vegas, but I know there is one in Vegas where they serve alcohol. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Well, a little more research last week. It turns out it's a two-story Taco Bell in <laughs> Las Vegas. And the second story can be rented out. This is this is new information. I was just talking to Christian about this literally last week. And I said, man, wouldn't it be something to rent out a to rent out a space inside a Taco Bell in Las Vegas, we could do a meetup, do a live podcast right there in Las Vegas in Taco Bell. Now, there would only be a limit of 25 guests. So long story short here, I know I'm about 90 seconds in on this. Tell us if that's something you would be interested in. It'd probably be Q1 of 2022. Let us know if you want to meet up in Las Vegas, in a rented space inside a Taco Bell for a live Taco Tuesday podcast. We want to hear from you. Comment below this video. Let's go. It, it might be the most epic moment in taco history um, if it was to transpire. So, But we need you guys to let us know you want to know about it. Because if, yeah. if we invite 25 guests and we actually do this and it ends up just being me and Glenn and no one comes, <laughs> kind of the sad. Taco Bell. We got the Taco Bell employees just, just watching us. Hey. 
mean, I mean, you know, I guess if, if free conferences can be sold out, then I guess anything's possible. But um, let, us, let, let us know, guys, what you think about that. Um, can I start off today's episode with a plug? Please do. So next Wednesday, guys, before I leave for 8% Nation, just in case you didn't get the memo, on the 21st, I'm going to be doing a live webinar on content creation marketing strategy about how to come up effectively with um, good content with on different platforms and how to have it all tied together so it all helps each other instead of just all takes up a bunch of individual time. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a one-hour webinar. It's currently $20, a little bit under. Um, if you want to buy the recording, the recording will probably be 50. So Ooh. if you watch it live, you get it for 20 plus you get the replay and watch it as many times as you like. So please don't miss that. I'll drop a link to that when we're done streaming in the comments and don't miss it because I'm really tired of doing these webinars. I don't know how many more I'm going to do. <laughs> could be the last webinar. Very well. Could be. If you guys don't show up, it's the last webinar. Like, screw it. You know? <laughs> I know, but I know good amount has already RSVP. So I just want to make sure that as many people come and tune in as possible. So um, what, so you have homemade tacos today. Let's see what you got. I already ate one of them. It's nothing special. It's literally, it's almost burrito status. You have cheese, some spices, beans, meat. Very simple, you guys. Very light. on. It's like a very street taco experience that I'm having. If you can't see that taco and you're listening to us, which, by the way, we are available on every podcast platform. If you guys just want to binge, you know, the 40, what is this, 45, 46? We're getting up there. I know. It's ridiculous. Like pretty soon we're going to be in the, the triple digits. Yeah, we're coming up on triple digits. But if you want to listen to previous episodes, all of them are uploaded on the Six Figure Medicare Agent YouTube channel, as well as anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can get the audio of all of our episodes. So definitely check us out. Leave us a review. Tell us tell us what you think. But to get into today's episode, actually, before we get into our topic, which I'm really excited about, because I'm very mm-hmm. passionate about this topic. Um. What what happened with, did you do taco roulette today? Oh my gosh. So we did do taco roulette today. Okay. So taco roulette. There, what happened? It's gotten to the point where there's about 15 different choices on taco okay. roulette. So it's, it's very stressful for all of us, especially me, because. Especially <laughs> you. I don't like about half of the choices. <laughs> and half of them are going to bankrupt you as well, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's Cafe Rio every week. We might as well just have it a wrap at this point. (laughs) But so, but today it landed on El Pollo Loco, and um, it's okay. You know, ended I I ended up getting about seven more tacos because I was really hungry, Um, and they are chicken tacos. Um, They're actually very very tasty, very delicious. Although they come with onions, and I hate onions. So my thing lately is I tell people I'm allergic to onions (laughs) because. <laughs> if I don't, they right. they don't listen to me and they put it on anyway. Right. But now I tell every single person everywhere I go that I'm allergic to onions and they never get it wrong ever. Because they don't want to lock it. 
So every every time I see uh, El Pollo Loco, I think of Breaking Bad. <laughs> no, me too. Uh, the the Herma, El Pollo Hermanos, <laughs> the Chicken Brothers, right from Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. If you guys haven't seen that fantastic show. Um, glad to hear you're still doing Taco Roulette, though. I think mm-hmm. I think that needs to be. Maybe there needs to be a Taco Roulette app. Just like its own mm-hmm. its own app that people can download, so they can, you know, you just roulette all of the tacos closest to you. I think that's a it's a fantastic idea when you can't make a decision. I I think that's actually a, a multi million dollar idea, and I think we should get on that. <laughs> one of many, one of many. I'm gonna have to put that on the list um, today, though, you guys. Today's topic. So I want to start before we even talk about the actual topic. I want to approach this, Christian, like brand new agents, because this is something I honestly, I was probably (laughs) licensed and selling for like two or three months before I even really understood what this, like how this worked. It's almost embarrassing to admit. So when, when an insurance agent sells a policy, Medicare, life insurance, you know, I'm assuming I've never written a home or auto, but I'm assuming, you know same thing right you can get you get an advance on the premium typically it's based on the annual premium and then there's you know renewal commission after that but mm. walk us through you know on a medicare supplement policy for example how is that commission being paid from the carrier yeah so as as most of you know medsup commissions are going to be paid as a percentage of the premium and for most cases that um, that that the that the that the that the um, consumer is paying every month, so it can be paid out a multitude of different ways depending on how your contract is. So it can either be paid out monthly at a time. So as the person pays their premium, you get your commission. Just they call that as earned, um, because when you're getting any advanced commission, it's essentially like they're giving you the commission up front almost as like a loan, but it hasn't been earned yet until the premium has actually been paid or the policy has been in effect long enough to essentially pay off what, what has been up, you know, advanced to you. The other thing a person can do is they can advance their commission. So they can advance it like six months, for example, they can advance it nine months, they can advance it 12 months. Um, and different carriers are going to give different options essentially. Um, but I mean, there, there's essentially been, so Lately, specifically, I had more agents than you would you would think kind of hit me up and just ask, you know, about it and just be like, you know, I think I should be as earned on my commission. And I was just like, it's crazy to me, you know, like I just I just don't understand it. And I and and that's where I thought this sprung from, because I thought it was something that needed to be talked about and put into perspective for, for people that actually sell insurance. You know, I think the people that are recommending to just take as earned all the time are the people that have no experience selling insurance. And I don't give a fuck if they see this. <laughs> <laughs> um, to go back to the advances. So, you know, I know on the life insurance side, you get that 12 month, annual premium. That's what your commission's based on. And mm-hmm. then you're getting nine months up front. So if that consumer cancels their policy, you guys, the advance has to get paid back. So I do, mm-hmm. I, I want to, again, 
focusing on new agents, trying to really help them understand how this all works. Because again, as a new agent previously myself, I didn't understand it. So if I sell a final expense policy, let's say it's $50 a month for easy math, 600 a year, you know, nine months of that is $450. Okay. And let's just say it's a, it's a perfect 100% comp for this scenario. I get $450 given to me by the carrier after the policy issues. Two months go by, the consumer says, oh, I don't want this or need this anymore. This is dumb. Glenn's a horrible agent. They cancel their policy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stuck now. So they got two months of of premiums. So I don't have to pay what the consumer paid, but now there's a $350 difference between what the carrier paid me and what the carrier was expecting to get from the insured. And I have to come up with that money. I literally either have to write another policy to cover that deficit or I have to stroke a check and send it back. Medicare, I feel like this conversation doesn't happen. In the life insurance space, I feel like it happens a lot because it it's a lot more money up front. Right. So like the, the advance, like on the Medicare side, you really don't have policies falling off the way you do on the life insurance side of the business. So I think it's a little different conversation. But regardless, it's really the same answer for me. Yeah. Um, because I, I am a fan of taking advances, although there is the risk that I just explained. There is risk. <laughs> you might have to pay this back or write more business to cover that loss as part of your agent agreement with these insurance carriers. So, so you know, let's play. So devil's advocate here, Christian. Why yeah. would you not want to take an advance? Well, I mean, the, the obvious answer is to avoid chargebacks, right? Because... Right. If you take an advance, like you just, you know, you just stated, you know, and then the person decides that they want to cancel their policy in two months, three months, four months, then you're going to have to pay back any amount that they had advanced you that hadn't been earned as of yet, you know, essentially. So however many months were left in the policy, you'd have to pay it back. Um, And essentially, you know, that can be devastating for an agent. And I get that. We all get that. Like, I think. I, I understand. I think if there if, if we're going to play devil's advocate, I think if there is an argument to take as nerd, it's probably in the final expense world more than anything else. Not that I would want to do that. Not right. that I'd recommend it. Like if it came down to it, I would rather take advances for a multitude of reasons that I'm, I know we'll get into. But like you said, Medicare clients are so much stickier. The retention right. rate is so high. Um, will you run into chargebacks in your career? Absolutely. Right. How do you combat chargebacks? You always write business and you never stop writing business. That's how you combat chargebacks. I I will say too. So in defense of not taking advances, um, another reason I've heard stated before that I think can make sense is let's say you have a a carrier that's like, it's not a primary carrier. You're only writing this carrier once a month, maybe every other month. It's just not a carrier you're doing a lot of business with. You know, I've heard people say on anything that's not like a primary carrier, I'm writing it as earned because if it charges back, I don't even want to have to think about having to pay them. I get it. That makes sense. Volume of business. That makes sense. Because if you're writing with just a few carriers or a certain carrier and you're doing a lot of business, it's easy to cover any chargebacks because you have so much business coming in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and that, that makes certain total sense. And I'm, and 
you know, I think that we're both very reasonable people. You know, I think that we could both, you know, acknowledge that there are certain situations that taking commissions and as earned is not a bad thing to be transparent. Um, I myself on a majority of my Medicare supplement contracts are set up as earned right now. Right. But, but, but that wasn't until about two years ago to where, you know, we really didn't need the revenue. Like I felt like we did before, you know, and so that way we felt like we didn't need to deal with chargebacks, but so I, I definitely think there's a, there's a place for it. I don't think it's necessarily always a bad idea um, because all, and, and some uplines too won't give advances for new agents because yeah. they're worried about roll-up debt. So sure. there isn't necessarily a, a completely, you know, um, open or closed conversation, but um, yeah, I mean, I'd say that'd probably be the main reason against it is because one, a lot of uplines won't allow you to do it unless you've been an experienced agent. Right. Two, you know, if, if you're dealing with an obscure carrier, that can be annoying to have to deal with the chargeback. And three, you might want to did not have to deal with chargebacks, period. Or maybe you just write maybe a you know business seasonally or you only write certain times of the year. You know, maybe you're just yeah. doing a part time, whatever the case might be. So there, there's certainly arguments to be made. I think that cover. I mean, I can't I, I can't think of any other reason why someone would say, hey, this is why I'm not taking an advance. I think we kind of hit the main reasons by all means, you guys. I'd love to hear from you, Taco Tuesday Troops, if there's any other reasons why you think you shouldn't take an advance on your commission from your agency, from the carrier, you know, comment below. Let us know what you think. But I think those are probably the main reasons. The Now, you know, the flip side of it is how does an, a brand new agent feed himself pay his expenses in his business without taking advances, especially if you don't have money saved up coming in. You know, there's all, I see it over and over where agents will be like, oh yeah, just come in. You take, have three to six to nine months worth of expenses saved up and then come into the insurance industry and you're good. You'll figure it out in, in three, six or nine months. Yeah, that's great, but not everyone has that. And there's there's a lot of agents that get into this, get get into the business. They don't have the savings that they should. And I think that's again, that's where advances can be so crucial for them. Yeah, I think um, the argument for advances, of course, is you got to put you got to put food on your table. A lot of these agents have families. Right. Like you had a family when you started out, you were married. I think you had one kid, right? When you first yeah. got into the pool. Yep. The second one on the way, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot of bills. Yeah. <laughs> I have kid. You know, I have one kid. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know how that can be. You gotta you gotta put food on the table for your family. And I feel like for a new agent to be told that. You should take all of your business as earned and never take any advances. I just don't think it's necessarily sustainable for a lot of new agents for that reason. Me as a new agent, I I took advances on everything I could because I had to. I had to survive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's definitely a group of agents that wouldn't survive if they didn't take advances. Um, The other thing to talk about with this too is when a carrier advances you, and and I don't think I think every carrier is specific on this, and it, it's my understanding that some carriers don't even charge interest. What's what's your take on that, Christian? 
as far as the the advances from the carriers, them charging you interest on that. It's not, is that every carrier? I know some carriers, it's like 1%. Right. <laughs> well, I think, you know, the, on, I don't think it's every carrier. On, on the carriers that do do it, like you said, the, the interest is minimal. Um, I think it's just irrelevant in my opinion. You know, I just yeah. don't think it's really that big of a deal because the amount is so less. I think it could be a deal if you racked up like, 50 grand of chargebacks or something like right. that like right obviously, you know every every number can get to a point where it's substantial but right. if it's like one or two deals it's just going to be such as it's just going to be a few dollars you know essentially of interest to where it's not a big deal i think you know you you brought up earlier today when we were talking about this accurately like where else can you get a loan for one percent or they're yeah, not or less yeah like yeah, I mean, where else can you get that anywhere? You know, and but people exactly. will go to banks and you know different financial institutions and take loans out for their businesses, their personal life. They take out credit cards that are fifteen to twenty five percent interest, and they'll just run through those. But they're terrified of advances. <laughs> <laughs> Stop the madness! Stop the madness! <laughs> it's craziness, but like, I think. You know, the the thing the thing about it is the the other reason why I think something that we need to talk about the other reason why it's a good thing for a new agent to take advances is you need to have some kind of capital to keep growing your business. Right. I think that is vital. And if you're just growing your business twenty dollars a month at a time, that's hard to do. You know, I I know. You know, like if if you're if you're writing let's say a hundred new clients a month. That's great. But most agents aren't doing that. Right. So, and this is, I think this is a good time. There's a specific story I wanted to make sure um, I shared today about this. And I was going to, I'm trying to figure out who made this comment. There's a comment I wanted to share to you guys. It says, if you sell what is right for the client, cancellations should not be a problem. I mean, even if you're a perfect salesperson, you're, you're still going to have chargebacks. You're going to have people who pass away before the, before the 12 months. I've had that happen, you know, personally as an agent. Mm -hmm. um, it's really unfortunate. But ultimately, it's my opinion that, that chargebacks are inevitable to some degree. Obviously, it's a huge managed system in your agency or, or as an individual agent you know, how well you do with chargebacks. Some people will do 50% placement, you know, call centers, right? Well, they're doing a massive scale of business and they're only placing 50, 60% of their policies. And then you have the flip side of it. Um, you know, some independent agents who are doing 97, 90% retention, 97, 99% retention on their Medicare policies. It's incredible, but yeah. The story I wanted to get into, which highlights exactly what Christian just said about growing your agency and, and utilizing those advances to grow your agency, is there was um, kind of a smaller agency back east that I was working with on the marketing side. And I had been working with them for quite some time. It was like six to eight months. And we got to this point in their campaign where they were like, hey, um, you know, we just need to stop right now. Like we can't, we can't keep going. I'm like, okay, well, what's going on? Like, is it something, 
you know, is the marketing not converting for you guys? Is it the volume of the leads you're getting? Like, where, where are we at with this? What's the problem? You know, just trying to kind of troubleshoot the campaign like I always do. And I'm talking to the, to this agent and, and it was a family agency. So I'm sure you can appreciate this Christian. Um, but he says to me, he goes, well, um, you know, we have a positive ROI where we're, we're making the sales that we want to, this is profitable for us, but all of our contracts are on as earned. So even though it's profitable, you know, if, if you're, if you look at lifetime commissions versus your acquisition cost, yeah, they were immensely profitable, right? But the cash flow of the game where they're getting that $30 on, on the first payment, but then it's costing them, you know, $150 or whatever their CPA was, they have negative cash flow. So, right. so they're building their agency, they're crushing it. They're, they're six to eight months into this campaign, but the negative cash flow grinded this, this marketing to a halt. And I was like, why are, I'm like, why wouldn't you take those advances? <laughs> I'm like, why wouldn't you take the advances to pay for the marketing to continue to grow the agency? You have some, you have a profitable system in place. You're, you're taking prospects, you're turning them into clients you know, this, the customer acquisition cost compared to the lifetime client value is immensely profitable for your agency, but you're not taking advances and you're not going to take outside money. So you can't fund the marketing to fund the agency growth. And that's where I was just like, okay, I don't even know what to say. I don't like, I don't know. Okay. I guess we'll see crazy. Here. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that that right there, you know, can kill a business. Hundred percent. You know, like because it sounds like they're doing everything right. You know, they're except for not taking advances. You know, they're making the sales, they're converting, they're driving revenue, they're bringing in new clients and prospects into their funnels and, and pipelines all the time. But what they're not doing is profiting, <laughs> and like, and it's because they, you know, are just doing something to where they're trying to avoid chargebacks. But like if the, the, the I mean, if so that I wanted to reference to something that, that, that yeah. comment said earlier too, about, you know, selling the right thing for the client, my approach would be, and I've been selling insurance for eight years now, I would say my approach would be selling the right thing for the client. Cancellation should rarely be a problem. There you go. Not never. Yeah, he does. I don't care if you're Jesus, you're going to have a chargeback. <laughs> everybody converts to Jesus. You know, like, that's the way I would look at it. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And there, and there goes our Christian audience. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I'm saying, right. Nobody. I don't care who you are. Has everybody like them at the end of the day. Right. Everybody stick with them. Right. Like it doesn't matter. You know, like you could be six foot five, devilishly handsome. You know, you got you, you know, you, you, you might have like a banana in your pocket kind of thing. Like the old ladies love you, but <laughs> you're still going to get charged back. Sometimes you might get them less often than me, but that doesn't mean that you're never going to get a charge back. If you do right. this, this long enough, you're going to have a client die 
you're going to have a charge, you're going to have someone cancel. It, it, it can happen for a myriad of different reasons, even if they didn't want to leave you, like if they died, you know? And so I would say that that situation is absolutely crazy because, you know, if they were taking advances, they could just put pedal to the metal and continue forward with what they're doing that's working right. and they could scale more, but they can't because they don't have the capital. And so to go back to that situation, because it's really like as we're talking about this, I'm thinking like, why would it's really it's a fear based decision. It's fear from the agent or the agency owner. That this is going to go badly, that I'm going to take too many advances and I can't pay it back. So you're making this decision based out of fear. and, and, And that's just not I don't know. It's just not the way to operate. You know, it, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And and I think, you know, part it's important to talk about chargebacks because that is another piece of the business that doesn't, it's, it's kind of, one of, especially on the recruiting side, right? When, when you have all these people trying to push people into the industry as fast as they can, and they're not necessarily explaining everything. I think chargebacks are, it's one of those things where it needs to be explained better, especially upfront to agents. If I was starting over again today, and I was a brand new agent, and I really understood how the game worked, especially with chargebacks, I would definitely be setting aside 20% plus or minus, you know, five or 10, whatever you're, again, this kind of comes back to your risk tolerance. I would be setting aside at least 20% of, you know, monthly revenue, just set it aside for potential chargebacks. Because, you know, on the life side, especially, again, it's a different game, Medicare, higher persistency than final expense or than life insurance. But coming from the final expense world, I'm setting aside at least 20%. Another thing that's important to mention is like some carriers in the med sub world don't even let you be advanced, um, excuse me, don't even let you earn as earned. Some carriers have a set commission payout schedule for every single person. Like UHC is this way. They pay out nine months advance, no more, no less. If you don't like it, you don't have to sell for them. That's kind of their philosophy. So like they don't even give the option to do any more or less. You know, I'm almost, I'm not hundred percent sure of this, but I'm pretty sure that Humana is the same way, except for it's 12 months instead of nine. I don't think they can do as earned either. Um, on their Medicare supplements. So every single carrier is going to be a little different as well. Like you'll probably find that like the moves of the world, the Aetna seniors of the world, those are the companies that will allow you to really kind of, you know, do the different things with your advances, you know, earn month to month or be advanced nine months, 12 months, whatever the case might be. Um, Medicare advantage, you can't be as earned. Medicare advantage is advanced. Like, all the way through, you know, for, for all the major carriers, there's no other way of doing it, you know? And so it's, it's an interesting concept when I, when I hear people tell people that like, you should never be advanced. I'm like, well, what that tells me is like, okay, have you ever built a business? Have you ever built a book of business? Cause you don't know what those struggles are and what you might need that cash flow for. Like if all you do is recruit agents, and you just have an army of agents that sell under you and you don't do anything yourself. Like I understand where you're coming from. Like you just have a different view of the world, but you got to put yourself in the shoes of an agent. And I'm an agent, been an agent for a long time. You've been an agent. And there's so many reasons, more reasons to take the advances than to not, in my opinion. 
Well, what's let's you know what's the alternative, right? So, if if you're trying to cushion cash flow, which is again, it really does come down to cash flow. Cash flow is king, as someone commented. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> it, it's all about cash flow. You know, you've got to have money to pay the bills, right? To keep to keep the lights on, to keep everything moving forward, paying payroll. I just cut a check this morning for payroll. So trust me when I understand, when I say I understand cash flow is king, I understand cash flow is king. Um, but, you know, let's talk about the alternatives. So if you're not taking it in advance and you hit a snag, unexpected expenses, it happens to the best of us. You know, what's what are you going to do? You're going to take a line of credit? You're going to take a loan. What does that look like? What's your payments on that? What's your interest rate on that? There's no alternative that can be created or proposed that can compete with getting an advance from the carrier. That's where this comes back to for me is I don't see an alternative to taking that advance. That's going to be anywhere in the ballpark of competing with that, the terms on that advance. Worst case scenario, you have to pay back what was given to you. Interest is somewhere between zero and 1%. I haven't heard anyone do more than 1% when it comes to these uh, advances on commission. And if it's a, let's, you know, in the final expense world, if it's a $600 a year policy and you're making six, you're talking about six bucks, you guys, dollars <laughs> in interest, like, I, I don't know. I I just I don't see a logical explanation to not taking the advance unless you have the cash flow so squared away. You're in a, like like Christian said where he's at. You know, if you have the cash flow situated, then yeah, you can de-risk the business by taking as earned. You can maybe save one percent right on those commission advances. Um, it can maybe even kind of stabilize the cash flow coming in because you're not getting like those those big numbers on advances. But overall, and I was even telling Christian this earlier, I'm like, you should you should even be taking yeah. advances still to grow your business, even where you're at, even though I know you have the cash flow to handle your expenses. Um, I still think there's an argument to be made to take yeah. your expenses. And I think, I think it's a great point, you know, and it's, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, the more and more I think of it, I start to question what we're doing, (laughs) you know, like we, but I mean, we, we just, we just changed that to being month to month about two years ago. But before that, for six years, I was taking advances on anything that I could. Right. Quick story I'll share if I may. Please do. Um, When I was newer in the business, so I've shared on this on this podcast before that we used to be under an FMO. So we used to be split 50-50 on our contracts. So we had half of our contracts with an FMO locally here. We had the other half with Agent Pipeline. And um, we had a MedSup contract with this local carrier here. And I found out, I sold my first policy with the carrier and I got my commission and it was monthly. And I was like, because I'd never received a monthly commission ever that I could remember up until that point. <laughs> and I was still pretty new. And so I remember I called the carrier and I asked them to change my commission to advance. 
for nine months is because that's what I was wasn't that's at the time that's what I was in everything else it just was I wanted it to be all be the same um, so the carrier said they do it for me carrier sends notification over to the FMO letting them know that I did this the next morning I had an email from the FMO someone that worked at the FMO essentially scalding me being like who do you think you are but <laughs> <laughs> like, it's 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 something too that I don't know why. I mean, I, I understand why the FMOs don't want people to do it because they don't want to deal with roll up debt. I understand that, but like I feel like it's something that they're not taking consideration in, into consideration the fact that the agent might need that to survive in their first year or two. You know, and hundred percent. I barely wrote anything for that carrier for the rest of the year because I wasn't getting advanced. I think yeah. I wrote two or three policies all year because I was like, oh, well, screw this. I'm not going to write this, you know? Um, uh, yeah. And you know, it's it's just a weird dynamic, you know? I mean, I understand that roll-up debt's a real problem. Like, I've, I've heard plenty of stories of people that have been stuck with 20 grand of roll-up debt from a downline agent or 30 grand of roll-up debt. It's so rare... I, I can see the argument too to not give a brand new agent advances, but I I I think that that's probably a bigger thing in the final expense world. I haven't heard too many stories like that from the Medicare world. Okay, here's a story for you that came to mind as you were talking there, and I'm curious if you've heard anything like this before. Is I've heard stories. Um, so it sounds like campfire stories or something. But <laughs> I've heard stories where allegedly people have received higher contracts by opting to go as earned. Have you ever heard that before? I haven't, but intriguing. So I've heard on the final expense side. Now, I don't think it's a big difference, but I've heard on the final expense side that there's been certain carriers supposedly that'll give them a small bump in comp if they elect to go as earned again, the advanced game is just, it's night and day Medicare yeah. to final expense. So that's a big risk for these final expense carriers, this roll up debt. So right. I, I could see us, you know, Hey, we'll pay you more if you just go as earned. But again, it comes back to, you know, how can a new agent or even a, not even a brand new agent, but just an agent that, has expenses like how do they pay their bills without advances you've got to cover the cost of acquiring that client you know you have to you have to cover any other expenses that you may have incurred beyond the marketing or the cost to acquire that client then after covering all those expenses you know you want to pay yourself um you know a livable wage right which that's continually increasing right with inflation so and then after that you know, you have things like taxes that you have to cover too. Yeah. So, so and I, I don't know, like I mentioned in that, I really feel like that story I, I said earlier with that agency, it's such a perfect scenario where the cash flow dried up on them because they weren't taking advances. Yeah. It's tough to do. So question for you. Yeah. If you had to guess, what do you think an average how, how much do you think bills cost on average for a new agent? Like, let's say it's somebody that's married, no kids. How much yeah. do you think the bills are on average a year? I think a single person probably like they're you know, obviously this can be a scale and in cost of living specifically where you're at. Christian, I talked about this a lot. Um, you know, I live in the Northwest, which 
you wouldn't think it like if you were here and you're driving around like you're seeing houses but cost of living is like we're in like the top three states for most expensive places to live yeah. but i would say i would say a single person it's probably between like 40 and 55,000 a year. You know, if you live somewhere where it doesn't cost a lot to live, housing's cheap, you might only need 40 grand a year to live. If you're somewhere a little more expensive, maybe California, you might need 55 or 60,000 just for your own personal expenses. You know, right. food, rent, utilities, vehicle, etc. And so, like, let's say the, I mean, I'm going to go off of an agent that's going to survive. Sure. Yeah, that's a good model, <laughs> because, right? <laughs> I, I posted a video the other day about, like, how to write 100 apps during AEP or more. And someone, some dummy, you know, that I threw out of this group, he's like, he's like, the average agent writes eight apps a year. I'm like, so? Like, <laughs> what's your point? You know, like, but, but, it, but like not going off of those kind of statistics, because it's true. The average agent writes, depending on your source, somewhere between five to 10 apps a year, like all year round. All right. but let's just talk about someone that's going to make it. Because if someone's writing five to 10 apps a year, they're probably not going to make it. They're probably not going to last very long in the business. So right. let's just say someone writes 100 apps a year, Medicare apps. And let's say they're writing, if they're writing 100 apps a year, and let's, if we broke it down monthly, that'd be eight policies, a little bit over eight policies a month, eight new clients a month. So that's nine a month. So let's say you're making 30 bucks if you're making as earned on a med sub. Right. That means you're making $270 a month. Like you're adding $270 a month. Right. Of, um, like, <laughs> like that, that, that's when you really like look at those numbers, you see how kind of like ridiculous this is. Cause like if an agent has, let's say 30 grand a year of bills and you have 2,500 to three grand a month of bills, like $270 a month is not going to cut it. You know, you're going to have to go get a job. You're going to spend less time on the business. You're going to lose interest. You're going to probably not be able to keep up with your existing customers as well. And you might lose some. That's where maybe you might see some fall off. Like just all kinds of bad come from that. Yeah. I mean, that's, you couldn't have put it any better. I mean, even if like, even if you're one of the best agents in the business, let's say you're doing 60 apps a month and you're only doing $30 as earned commission, basically right per app, you're not even making two grand a month. You're not, you, you could be writing 15 policies a week, which easily puts you in the top 1% of Medicare agents. And you're not even covering your own basic monthly bills if you live somewhere really cheap to live. That's right there in and of itself is a huge reason to be taking advances. You got to, you got to cover your own bills. You know, you've got to, you got to cover your expenses. You got to cover your marketing costs, which is going to be most likely when you include your business expenses in with your personal expenses, it's going to be more than a hundred thousand over the year. Right. You know? Right. And, and like, I, I look at it like if someone was doing that amount of volume, like 60 to a hundred a month, they might be okay long term because it's it's compounding month after month. Right. Maybe. They might be okay, you know, like if it's a hundred apps a month, let's say that's like in that example, that's thirty-three thousand a month they're adding to their their income. Like that person's just killing it. They're just 
you know, the volume of business they're doing is allowing it to work. But like, right. what if someone's doing 15 a month or 20 <coughs> while I die? Um, and, but I think for 99.9% .9 of the agents out there that aren't doing 60 to 100 apps a month, they're going to need some kind of advances to just get through that first year. Like we, we always hear, I know you've heard it a million times and I have too, like right. the first couple of years as an insurance agent are the hardest because you're building up. Yeah. And yeah. those advances is what, is what gets you to that point. Yeah. I just, I don't see how any new independent agent, unless you have a serious amount of cash set aside, I don't know how you come into the business without taking advances. I really, and so, you know, it, from my perspective, if I hear someone promoting this idea, I think it can be a very dangerous idea for new agents. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think we were going to spend some time talking about taking business loans too, weren't we? Yeah, I want it because again, it kind of falls into that same category, right? Of, you know, even though, like I said earlier, I think taking an advance on a commission from an insurance carrier far outweighs any type of offer you could get unless unless it's like investment money unless you're getting like an angel investor that comes in and they're like you know hey here's you know half a million dollars and i want a percentage of your business and then maybe that makes sense where you're at i don't know so you know to go back to the the bigger picture here which is how do you how do you cash flow an insurance business which is essentially the problem we're solving for here you know, there's lots of different options, you know, line of credit, you know, credit cards, loans, you know, you actually get that lump sum, then you have to make monthly payments back. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on, and then of course, it, investment money, right? Selling equity potentially in your company. So I'm curious to know kind of what your thoughts are, or maybe any personal experiences, Christian, that you've had taking money to grow your business over the years. Yeah, I mean... I can't think of very many things I've done that are, are like that, you know, like now I know like there's, there's a, there's a person I know that's a call center owner that told me a story one time that he actually sold. Um, I, I think he sold 800 clients to just get cash flow to get, you know, essentially capital to reinvest back into his business. I've heard of situations where large scaling organizations will do that just for the quick money Right. Um, and I think there's definitely situations that make sense for that. Um, I've never really taken any investment money that I can think of. I mean, I've always put my own money in. The only thing I could even probably consider as investment money is like being able to get co-op from FMOs and carriers and things like that. That's the only money that hasn't been my own that's gone. What about, in what about like business credit cards? Well, yeah, I guess you could consider that like, so I, I have I have um, I have a business credit card. Um, it gives me pretty good perks on like online orders, and it gives me pretty good perks on like phones and just different things that we use right. on a regular basis for the business. Um, but I've never carried a balance on it. I've always paid it off every thirty days. Early on in my career, I got some personal credit cards, like three, and like when I was like three years in. And I maxed them all out and I thought I could pay them off and I couldn't and things like that. And then I eventually was able to fight them back, you know, maybe a couple of years later. <laughs> and ever since then, I've never carried a balance on a credit card. You know, yeah. I, 
I've always made sure that I can pay it all off. It also helps my income is much higher. So, I mean, even if I go a little crazy one month, <laughs> I can take, I can handle it usually. Um, or if my wife goes a little crazy on, which happens sometimes. Um, but no, I mean, I've, I've never really had a whole lot of experience with that. I mean, have you? I've, t- I've taken loans before, um, you know, specifically to fuel growth, which is really, you know, an ideal situation when you're taking, when you're borrowing money and you're thinking, okay, even if I have to pay, you know, 10, 15, 20%, whatever, whatever your loan ends up looking like, if you're able to look at the big picture and say, the interest I'm going to pay on this loan is going to be pennies in comparison to the growth I'll experience when I can scale. Because I, and, and I think that's, again, kind of bring this back to insurance. When you look at scaling your agency, if you're going from independent to small agency or small agency to bigger agency, or maybe you're trying to grow a call center, it's not cheap to scale you guys. It costs money to grow, especially if you're going through payroll and you're trying to pay people to help you grow, or you're maybe you have LOA agents, you're paying them a salary. That money's got to come from somewhere. You're paying a salary before they're actually generating commissions for you as an agency owner. Um, and it can be tough. It's like, there's never, it's kind of like having a baby where like, it's never like, Oh, now's the perfect time to have a baby. It's time to do it. Like, you and taking a loan for your business, in my opinion, is the same way. Like there's never a perfect time where it's like, okay, now here's a perfect time to take a big fat loan and figure out what to do with the money and the interest. It, it's never like that. So you kind of have to, it's a probability game. You try to figure out, okay, if I take this money, can I get to here? Is, and will the cash flow make sense for doing it? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've taken, I've taken loans, you know, all the way up to multiple five figure loans that I've been able to pay back. And generally speaking, I'd say it made sense to take those loans to help fuel growth within my company. But it, you have to be really careful, you guys, because it can be a very slippery slope. And the last thing you want to do is to get a situation where you have a negative cash flow and now you can't pay that loan back. Right. So, How long yeah. did it take you to pay those back? The biggest loan was a $50,000 loan and it took oh. almost two years to pay back. Dang. Yeah. Do you remember what the interest rate was on that? Um, it was 11%. Dang. Yeah. But you, you ultimately look back on it and you're like, that was a positive thing for Lead Heroes. For sure. Now, for sure. At the time, I was terrified. For yeah, sure. right. yeah. That's a lot of money. And and when you're spending it to grow, it goes fast, right? Because you're, you're trying to get to that next step fast. Um, and again, most of that goes towards payroll. So, um, you know, at the time it was scary. And at the time I definitely didn't, you know, there was no, there's no guarantees. There's no, like you take the money, you're going to get where you want to go. But now hindsight being 2020, I would say it definitely made sense to borrow that money at the time. That's, that's, um, interesting because I think a lot of people that end up watching this that are, you know, their ultimate goal is to scale. I think that comes down to me. Like what I get out of that is like, you took a gamble on yourself. You took a risk on yourself. And 
it ended up paying off. And sometimes guys, you have to just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I mean, I've never taken a business loan, but you know, it's that, I mean, if, if, if I, if, if there was ever a situation where, you know, I felt like it was something we needed to do to push to the next level. I mean, it's something that I would hate to do. You know, it's something that would make me very uncomfortable, but sometimes those are the things you have to do to kind of really get over the certain humps. Yeah. A hundred percent. If you're, you know, if you're going to gamble, if you're going to invest, right, the stock market, right, it's yeah. basically a casino. Wouldn't you rather bet on yourself, right, before you right. bet on on a publicly owned company or, you know, real estate or something else you're hoping? At least when you bet on yourself, there's a degree of control that you have that you don't have in an investment scenario, right? Right, for sure. For sure. Like one thing, I don't know if I told you this, but I liquidated all of my stock market accounts recently. I sold every stock I own because I was just like, I think this should go all back into my company. And I think it's stupid. Arguably a good, probably a good time to do that too, based on where the market's at. I thought so too. (laughs) I walked away with a pretty good, pretty good gains. That's not Uh, (laughs) weird. Just like our stock episode, we are not financial advisors. This is not financial <laughs> advice. However, the market appears to be highly inflated <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yes. Like, it just, I mean, you know, bought buying Disney stock for like high 80s, low 90s last year during the pandemic. And it would be, I think it was like 170, 180 when I dropped it. Um, the gains were great, but I just figured, you know, I just came to this realization that I was like, this money is so much better invested into my company. Um, 100%. And it wasn't a ton of money. It was like probably a total of 20, 30 grand. But, you know, I think that betting on yourself is going to be such a vital thing. And, and, and I see, I can see, I can tell who bets on themselves and who doesn't in our business. Yeah. Because I can tell, like when somebody is squabbling about a two or $300 lead order, it tells me that they don't regularly buy leads. Yep. And because of that, you know, they're, they're not accustomed to maybe it not going as well as possible or they're not super experienced with leads. So they don't like they're expecting it. I mean, you, this should be you talking about this instead of me. But no, yeah, but like they're expecting it to be like essentially 100 percent conversion rates. I mean, that kind of comes back to like the whole, you know, if you're going to grow as a business, you have to treat it like a business, invest into your business. And um, you you can definitely tell who does and does does not do that. Hundred percent. I'm gonna see if I there's this email. <laughs> um, yeah, that's how specific you know when you're meant that you just mentioned right there. I don't know if I'm able to find it, but I got this email from an agent within the last two weeks, and he spent six hundred dollars. He didn't get the ROI he was wanting on that $600, you know, maybe he sold one policy on that marketing spend that he got. I don't know. But, you know, the email back was like, I didn't get the ROI I needed. This is unacceptable, blah, blah. It's like, well, you know, there's no guarantees, right? There's no guarantees that even if it's like, okay, you're going to, you're going to sell 20% of the leads you get. There's a bunch of variables on sometimes why that won't happen. Right. right. There's a chance, you know, 
who was it? we just had uh, last week, Matt uh, Temmons. Matt, talking, Matt, Matt Temmons. Yeah, Matt talked about going 0 for 25, right? Yeah, yeah. That can happen, right? Matt, shout out to Matt. So, you know, you could get 25 leads and sell none of them. There, there's no guarantees here. And, and so when an agent spends a small amount of money and they're really gambling because they're hoping that they're going to, you know, oh, here's my last $500 or this is all I can budget and they don't get the ROI they want. It's like, well, maybe you should look at it differently and you should be spending more money and understand the law of large numbers here where if you spend 10 or 20 grand on marketing instead of 100 or $200, you know, that amount of money is going to drive a lot more prospects your way. And even if you close a small percentage of those prospects, you're still looking at, you know, a positive cash flow gain. And, and so, yeah, I mean, 100 percent betting on betting on yourself, betting on your agency, understanding, you know, how money can be used. I, I know I've said this before on Taco Tuesday. I think what's really missing and I'd love to see, you know, potentially a whole conference geared around money management, basic business basics for agents, because I think that is something I needed when I was new and something that I think a lot of agents struggle with is how do you manage expenses? How are you going to budget for your business? How are you budgeting for marketing? You know, what are realistic expectations? Year one, year two, year three, it doesn't have to be a complex plan. It doesn't have to be financial planning. It, it, it can be really simple, but still it has to be done. Otherwise, you're just kind of, you know, you're disorganized. You're spending money here, spending money there. You don't know exactly what you're doing, where you're going, how you're going to get there. And I see it every day. I see it every single day in our industry. Yeah, for sure. Like I know for me, and I know I've shared this on with you before many times. I don't remember exactly the year. I want to say it was year th three, might be year four, before I actually started investing money on leads. <laughs> three yeah. or four. Because for years, one through three or one through four, whatever it was, I don't even remember exactly, you know, which year it was. I was, I had no concept of investing in my business. Zero. For right. some reason, you know, I don't know why I was just super young and ignorant, and naive. I just didn't really quite understand it. <clears throat> um, had to get that out, but, Boom. but, but it's, it's, it's just a concept that, right. um, that I did not understand. I was just pounding the pavement, but like, I look back and I'm like a big regret for me is like, if someone had sat me down and been like, listen, asshole. You know, like, <laughs> spending your money on this and that, and this, you know, like don't go to Malaysia for a month. You know? like, don't buy a cat. You don't need that thing. You know, <laughs> just different things like that um, right. would have been invaluable for me. You know, so I think that would be super beneficial. And if anybody's watching this that has talked about doing that um, or has thought about doing that, I'd be there. If you show, if you I'd did. be there, I would promote the hell out of you because I'm a huge believer. And it, I think it's more systemic than what I've even mentioned. You know, I think high schools should do a better job of teaching financial literacy. 
I think colleges should do a better job of teaching financial literacy. It's not just insurance agents that struggle with this. And it's some of it's really basic. Some of it's a little more complicated. But, you know, when it comes to just money in, money out, really basic accounting like that, using a software like QuickBooks, you know, you can use a spreadsheet. It's it's not rocket science at all. Basic math that any lay man can un- or lay woman <laughs> can understand. <laughs> and it, it makes a huge difference if you understand how that works. It, it really does. It can be the difference between failure and success. Well, I love that. Um, we're getting close to the hour mark. Should we give some final thoughts and wrap this puppy up? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to give some final thoughts. Um, you know, again, talking about options when, you know, you're in a pinch, you need money. I do want to share a quote from Mark Cuban, uh, the legend. You know, he says, sales, sales cures all. And I totally agree with that. So, you know, if you're in a pinch and you need five, 10 or 20 grand, and I feel like Gary B kind of talks about this a lot too. The go-to before you're thinking, I need to go borrow money. You know, I need to get a line of credit. I need a credit card. I need someone to loan me money. Before you do that, you should look at it, you know, from a sales sales perspective. Well, how many policies would I need to sell to get to that number? You know, do I have assets or stuff that I'm not using that I could sell to get to that number? Um, and I know that's that's how I look at the business or really any business, first and foremost, is how can the sales get me there before I actually would need to borrow money to get there? So that's some of my final thoughts, you guys. I love it. I love it. And it's so true. You know, like I love that quote, you know, sales cures everything because it's so true. And you essentially are your best bank. You can just yeah. switch and go out there and just do whatever yeah. you have to do. And, and in our business, there's no better business to do it either. Um, Guys, my final thoughts is when it comes to advances, just I hope that you watch this all the way through. If you haven't, go back and rewatch it and rewatch it twice maybe if you need to because I think you need to understand both sides of the coin. Um, Don't just take advances because me and Glenn said you should. Don't just take as earned because someone else said you should. Yes. Make sure that you understand both sides of the coin, the positives and negatives to both sides. And figure out what's right for you. Um, I just, I mean, I I feel like a majority of actual agency owners and business builders take the take the stance that like they understand this concept that you need cash flow to survive. You know, because if you don't and it's just limited, or you know, you're you're having it paid out to you over the course of nine to twelve months, you can't utilize it as much. You know, and I think you said it best on this episode, Glenn, but like you can't live in fear. You know, I think if you're afraid of chargebacks and that's the reason why you don't do it, it's because you're living in fear all the time. And having that scarcity mindset is not what's going to propel you forward in your business. So that'd be my final thoughts, you guys. Um, This was a fun episode. I enjoyed it. And um, I'm sure it'll get a lot of good replay value. And um, until next week, guys, Thanks so much for tuning in to uh, another episode of Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday troops, I salute your taco eating until next Tuesday. (laughs)
Adiós. Adiós, amigos.